Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. The Air Force Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday, December 16th, 2022. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. I hope everybody is ready for what should be a little bit of a different Aaron Torres pod on a Friday. Here is what I mean by that. Here is what you need to know. For the first time in a long time, I don't think we're going to talk football today. I think Monday we'll get back to some of the transfer portal stuff, some of the recruiting news and notes. But the bottom line is it's been a quiet week in college football. And so what we're going to do instead is this. It's going to be a mostly basketball show. We are going to talk about Arizona getting the, the their investigation that's been going on forever. It is done. I've told you for years, the narrative does not fit the facts with Arizona and Sean Miller. I was proven correct. From there, we will talk about after Arizona, uh, really the week in college hoops. So busy week, fun week, games like Memphis, Alabama. Louisville picks up their first win. Creighton continues to struggle. Talk about some of the games that have happened. And then we'll preview what should be a really fun weekend in college hoops with Tennessee going to Arizona, uh, Indiana, my boy Mike F. and Woodson going to Kansas, UCLA and Kentucky in Madison Square Garden. Fun, fun, fun weekend. We wrap with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Before we get to the show, a couple quick announcements, and we do, in fact, have ourselves a major announcement to lead this show. Here is the deal. My Ohio peeps. Pay attention specifically. So here's the deal. And by the way, my Kentucky peeps too, pay attention as well. So here's the deal. By now, you know all about Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app, right? I've been telling you about them. Presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod, founded in 1967 in the UK, 1,600 shops across that across the, uh, across the UK. They have come to the United States, made a major splash as the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals, Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos. I've told you all that, you know, all that, but what I tell you about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody does more for their betters than Betfred. And when I tell you they are about to put their money where their mouth is on new year's day, 2023, like three weeks from now, they are putting their money where their mouth is. Here is why January 1, 2023, Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. So Ohio, they go live with sports betting on January 1, 2023. So like three weeks from now, Ohio takes legal sports betting. Why do I bring it up? 
because Betfred is the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals. They are in town. They are in town for the Monday night Bengals game against the Buffalo Bills, and they are throwing a launch party. I'm calling it the it's going to be incredible. Okay, Foling Warehouse is where you need to be if you are in the Cincinnati area in Ohio, or if you're in Kentucky and you want to drive up, this is what you got to do. Foling Ale House, this is what's going on there. One, I'm going to be there. Plan is for me to do a live show there at some point, either on Saturday in the lead up to the college football playoff, or more importantly, that Sunday from Foling Ale House on January 1. Okay, I'll be there. Hall of Famer Anthony Munoz will be there. We're going to be doing contests all day to determine who is the best better in the state of Ohio. Here is the best part. 50, count them, 50, 5-0 free tickets to the Monday night game, Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills in Cincinnati. They're giving away 50 free tickets at Foling Warehouse in Cincinnati on January 1. That's what you need to do. If you are interested in coming, please DM me at Aaron underscore Torres. I will tell you how to take advantage. My people in Ohio, you better show up. I've been telling them. Torres runs Ohio. Torres runs Kentucky. Nobody does that area of the country quite like Torres. I want a great turnout. Foling Warehouse, January 1. DM me for details. Betfred is throwing a crazy New Year's Day party. Launch of Sports Betting 2023. And I want you there with me. DM me for details. With that said, thank you to our presenting sponsor of the Betfred Sportsbook. And also, I should say, Thank you to Bracket Fanatics, who, of course, is the sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast, NFL Pick'em Challenge. It is now week 15. It started on Thursday night with that Seahawks 49ers game, and it is rolling every week. BracketFanatics.com is giving away this to you, listeners of the Aaron Torres pod. We have $100 weekly winners. We have a $1,000 season-long cash prize. Every single week, we hand out $100 to that weekly winner. You know who the weekly winner was in week 14 last week? It was your boy Torres. Aaron Torres, that is right, wins week 14 of the Bracket Fanatics Challenge. But since I can't take money in my own challenge, Roshi, R-O-A-S-H-E, for a second time this year is a winner. Congrats to Roshi. Bracket Fanatics will reach out. The good news, if you have not signed up yet, go to BracketFanatics.com, join Bracket, Bracket Name Torres. Enter Weekly winners get $100 weekly cash prize. So three weeks left in the regular season. You can still enter. It is not too late. Bracketfanatics.com. Join bracket. Bracket name Torres. The link is also in the show description. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, you know, I'll tell you, we're not actually, this is probably the first episode in quite a while. We're actually not going to talk very much football. It's been a little bit of a quieter week in college football outside of a few transfer news and notes, like nothing super major that warrants its own segment. And so, by the way, I'll probably do a separate transfer segment on YouTube. If you're into that kind of stuff, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can get all that. But with that said, I think today's going to be a mostly college basketball show. And before we get to some of the results of the week and some of the games that are coming up this weekend, I want to actually talk about a topic that I have talked about quite a bit over the last five years, and that is what has happened with Arizona basketball as it pertains to the FBI investigation into college basketball. And this has been an ongoing thing. It's been going on for five-plus years now. It started in the fall of 2017. And if you've listened to this show religiously, you've heard me talk about it, frankly, since the beginning. The show might have even came after all of this FBI stuff started. 
But these cases have gone on. Most of them have been resolved. But Arizona was one of the few that had not been. And I want to discuss it right now because of the fact that essentially everything that I told you was going to happen did. For years, the Arizona basketball program has been dragged through the mud. For years, Sean Miller has been dragged through the mud. And what I have essentially told you on this show is this. Arizona did some stuff wrong, and they need to be held responsible for it. I am not denying that. I am not saying that according to the facts of the case, that Arizona is completely 100% innocent. But what I have also said is that the facts of the case were largely skewed by a factually incorrect report by ESPN. And so there's this perception that Arizona did all this stuff that they frankly did not do, that we have found out after the fact that they did not do, and that Sean Miller did all of this stuff that we found out after the fact that he never did. And so what I've said all along, Arizona did some stuff and they should be punished. But I believe that if we go by the facts of the case, the punishment will probably be pretty light and the punishment on Sean Miller will probably be pretty light. Well, why do I bring it up? It is because on Thursday, we or Wednesday, I should say, we got closure on the Arizona case, and here is what happened. Some stuff did go down, and Arizona was punished as such. They will have to vacate some wins. A former assistant coach named Book Richardson, I think this is abominable and way too much, but he did get a 10-year show cause. He gave a few thousand dollars to Javon Quinterly, a recruit. We're going to talk about Book Richardson in a minute because I think that's completely unfair. Uh, and a second coach, Mark Phelps, did get a two-year show cause as well. So to my point, never said Arizona was completely scot-free, did nothing wrong. But as far as Arizona, the basketball program itself, here is Arizona's punishment from the IARP, the independent counsel who looked at this case. Arizona was given a $5,000 fine. 5000 like Like in the grand scheme of college athletics, 5000 is nothing. They also lose a scholarship for 2023-2024. What they were not given, a postseason ban. What they were not given was any kind of major financial punishment, major scholarship reduction, nothing. And oh, by the way, Sean Miller, who is now the head coach at Xavier, and I will say in the sake of transparency, has been on this podcast. Sean Miller was given zero suspension and is allowed to coach his team as seen fit. The IARP essentially saying that he has served the punishment that they deem as fit, which is ultimately getting fired from Arizona. And so I bring it up. Because everything that you think about Arizona, everything that I've told you was factually incorrect, everything that I told you was going to happen for the past five years, it came true on Wednesday as Arizona was given a very light punishment. Sean Miller, no no suspension, no, no fine, no firing, no show cause, no nothing. And let's be honest, I hate to brag, but I am going to take the victory lap because I've been right on this all along. Now, a lot of people would ask me, you know, are you surprised by this, this finding? And what I would say is, and I went on one of the Arizona radio shows on Wednesday when this all came out. I'm not surprised because of one simple fact. The IARP, which is the independent council that is kind of figuring out all these cases, they've kind of set a precedent in all of these cases, right? Um, they basically said that we don't want to punish the current student athletes. We don't want to punish the current coaches if the current coaches were not involved. And we want to kind of like, like, that's just the precedent that they sent. And so if you remember, we talked about Memphis maybe a month or two ago. And if you remember with Memphis, that was the James Wiseman deal. We don't need to relitigate all of that. But with Memphis, they never took a postseason ban. They played James Wiseman and Penny Hardaway was never suspended for a second, whatever. When the Memphis ruling came down, 
Memphis was not given a postseason ban, was not Penny Hardaway was not suspended, and the school likewise got a fine. So I'm not surprised about the Arizona result, uh, strictly because of the fact that if Memphis never got a postseason ban and never had Penny Hardaway get suspended, I didn't think you could do that to Arizona either. Because remember, they did fire Sean Miller two years ago, and they did take a postseason ban, a self-imposed postseason ban. Uh, a few years ago in a season in 2020 where they or 2021, excuse me, where they were good enough to make the tournament. And so that's what happened. That's how it went down. Um, and what I really want to do now is just just talk about why I have defended Arizona so long and why a lot of people are surprised by the punishment with Arizona and with Sean Miller. And why people say, Torres, what is this thing with Arizona that you're always on? And so it goes back to something that I said to kind of lead this segment. I've never said that Arizona is completely innocent of everything, but here is the problem. And here is the thing that you guys and girls, if you're not an Arizona fan have probably forgotten about this case. And I think it makes it the most interesting case. And in many ways, the saddest case, most of the public perception of what happened at Arizona was based on a factually incorrect report from ESPN. You guys and girls probably don't remember it. If you're not an Arizona fan, but in the middle of February, if you remember, all these cases, all of these stories broke in early November. I think it was October or November of 2017. And then every single week, like a new twist or turn came out. All these news outlets were trying to one up each other in terms of the stories that they were able to break. Well, in February of 2028, ESPN on a Friday night, I'll never forget it. I was right in front of the TV, puts out this bombshell report that Sean Miller was caught on a wiretap telling Christian Dawkins, who was the main kind of middleman in all of these cases, that he had paid, personally paid DeAndre Ayton $100,000. And it was a huge story at the time. I talked about it. I still have tweets basically saying, Sean Miller's done, he'll never coach college basketball again. The problem was, as the days went on, one, Sean Miller completely denied it. DeAndre Ayton was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And as the days went on, you could kind of start to punch holes into the narrative. And so right away, I came on this show. I think we had just maybe started this show. And I said, you know, I think I might have gotten some of the facts on the Sean Miller thing wrong. Because there were just little inconsistencies. Christian Dawkins had never worked with DeAndre Ayton. So why would Christian Dawkins be talking? to? There was just a lot of real inconsistencies about the whole situation. And so I've always kind of backed off. And I said, I got that one wrong. Everything we know does not prove that this call ever happened. And then this is the crazy part. This is the really crazy part is that Christian Dawkins, when he was in court, and I know I'm going all over the place, but stick with me. If you're an Arizona fan, this is probably music to your ears. Everybody else is probably a little bit confused, but Christian Dawkins went to court as part of these FBI cases and under oath said, oh, that call never happened. I don't know where that came from, but it never happened. And so why I've always defended Arizona fans is because ESPN puts out this report right away. The school refutes it. The school stands by Sean Miller. DeAndre Ayton, who's 18 years old, gets caught in the middle. And then we find out under oath that the call never happened. Yet ESPN never ran a retraction. Yet Mark Schleyball, the reporter who reported that story, has never been reprimanded for it. It's worth noting, by the way, I talked to somebody high up in the college basketball world like, how does that guy even have a job? Like nobody that's affiliated with Arizona or whatever. But this guy never was, was reprimanded for it. It was a factually incorrect story. And so why I've always defended Arizona is because I've always felt like everyone outside of Arizona perceives Arizona to be a school that does nothing but cheat 
and Sean Miller, a coach who does nothing but cheat. And I said, I can't sit here and tell you what happened behind the scenes on a day-to-day basis, what Sean Miller did know, what he did not know. But the big accusation, the 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 alleged, the allegation that Sean Miller paid DeAndre Ayton $100,000 personally, it never happened. And so why I've always defended Arizona is pretty straightforward. It's because if it was any school, I would do the same. Imagine you're a UCLA fan, a Kentucky fan, a UConn fan. I'm a UConn fan. If somebody put out a bogus report that fill-in-the-blank coach was playing fill-in-the-blank player and it was proven to be 100% false, I'm going to stand by my school. I'm going to stand by my coach, and that's all I ever did for Arizona. And so to bring this whole thing full circle, on Wednesday it becomes official. Arizona really didn't do that much wrong. And oh, by the way, Sean Miller didn't do that much wrong. And so that's why I've always defended Arizona. That's why I've always defended Sean Miller. Because I, I don't, I, I listen, have I had Sean Miller on this podcast? Absolutely. I don't claim to know him. Well. I don't claim to be a best friend of his. But if my entire reputation was staked on something that was proven to be factually incorrect, you're darn right I'd fight for myself. And so I'm going to fight for Sean Miller the same way I'd fight for myself, for my wife, for my sister, for my mom, for whoever. That's just how I am. That's just how I operate. And so this is what's driven me crazy about this Arizona report is that it everyone has this perception of Arizona that simply isn't based on facts. And so to put closure on this story, let me just say a couple of things. One, Arizona fans, I'm happy for you. I don't know if anyone outside of Tucson really cares that Arizona was vindicated, but what the IARP did on, I guess it would have been Wednesday, was basically confirm everything that I've said on this show and everything that Arizona fans have said amongst themselves over the last couple of years. The report was bogus. We're not guilty of what we were accused of. We weren't doing what everybody thinks they were. By the way, ESPN still to this day will not apologize for it. It's unbelievable. Seth Greenberg last year was in Tucson for a game saying, why would I apologize? All the facts haven't come out even when the investigation was done. So from Arizona's perspective, I'm happy. I'm glad that the program can move on. And I'll say this for Arizona. I think there's some, this is one of those deals where I think it worked out best for everybody. Sean Miller is now at Xavier. They're playing really well. And Arizona somehow got, got, they're doing incredible with Tommy Lloyd. Like Tommy Lloyd to me is one of the bright young coaches in the sport. Arizona gets a number one seed last year. They're well on their way to getting a number one seed this year. They play Tennessee this weekend. We'll preview that game in a minute. But I'm happy for Arizona. I'm happy that you can move on. I'm happy that in a season like this, where you could be potentially a number one seed, you could potentially make your first Final Four since 2001, you could potentially win your second national championship in school history, I'm happy that you don't have to have this cloud hanging over you anymore. For Sean Miller, I am also happy as well. Um, Listen, like I said, I don't know the guy, but I, I, I know the guy, but I'm not, I don't know him well. What I do know is, again, if my entire reputation had been scarred and ruined over a lie, I'd, I'd, I'd go gray, I'd lose my mind. you know. And so I'm happy that he can put this behind him. I'm happy that he has landed on his feet. Um, and I'm happy that he can coach his ball club and do what he does. Now, finally, let me say one, one last thing before we get to break, and we'll take a quick break, and we'll talk some of the stuff that's happened this week and the games coming up this weekend. I do want to say one final thing. I'm very disappointed uh, in the IARP, in the decision to suspect to give book Richardson a 10 year show cause. Okay. And why I'm disappointed is pretty straightforward. This is a guy who lost his job, lost his livelihood. And I've talked a lot about this guy through the years. You know, I, I kind of know of him. He was Kemba Walker's AAU coach back in the day. 
And so obviously as a UConn fan, I've known about Book Richardson, Coach Richardson forever, okay? This guy is beloved in the basketball community. He is beloved in the, uh, you know, you, you never hear a bad word about this guy, okay? And so why I feel bad for him and why I think the NCAA and the IARP in this case made a grave mistake is this man doesn't deserve a 10-year show cause, okay? Five years ago, he gave Javon Quinterly some money. Javon Quinterly has been able to play for five years in college basketball. Um, Book Richardson actually served prison time over this, and it's time to let him go. And so I'm not articulating this as well as I want to. I'm not saying it the way that I want to. But Book Richardson has not only metaphorically done his time, he's literally done his time. And now to add 10 years on top of that for a couple thousand dollars in a world where we now live in the NIL era I think it's way too much. I hope the IARP revisits this. I don't know if they will. Book is coaching uh, high school basketball in New York, and I believe this guy deserves another opportunity. So I'm so sorry to him, and I'm so sorry for that whole situation. The other coach, Mark Phelps, has a two-year show cause. Um, and so because of it, I do hope the IARP will reconsider this for Book Richardson. But overall, happy for Arizona fans. Happy that Sean Miller can move on. Uh, and I can finally move on talking about this because I'll tell you this on the court, Arizona has as fun of a team to watch in college basketball. And I'm just really glad that that program, again, they no longer have this hanging over their heads. Uh, and so because of it, they can now move on uh, and get ready for what should be a fun second half of the 2022, 2023 season, where I think they're good enough to win a national championship. I just want to do take a quick break, come back. We will preview the weekend ahead in college hoops. We'll also look at some games from this week. Bama, Memphis, uh, who else played this week? Louisville gets their first win. How about them Cardinals? We'll talk about Louisville. We'll talk about Memphis, Alabama, which was a fun game. And we'll preview some fun games this weekend. As I said, Tennessee, Arizona, Indiana, Kansas, uh, Kentucky, UCLA, on and on. Take a quick break. We will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to keep the college basketball conversation going. Like I said, listen. We talk a lot of college football on this show. I want to keep doing the college football talk, 
But it, it was a little bit of a slower week. And next week, listen, we'll get back to it, the transfer portal stuff. I actually kind of an interesting thought on the portal overall. Uh, and National Signing Day is next Wednesday. So some crazy stuff is going to happen. We know that. Uh, but this week was kind of about college basketball, right? A couple marquee games over the course of the last couple of days. And uh, a couple certainly marquee games coming this weekend, which we will preview to end this segment before we get to Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. But let's start about what did happen over the course of this week. And there was a very big result down at the Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky, where the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, led by Rick Stansberry, walked into the KFC Yum Center against the winless Louisville Cardinals and, drumroll please, the Louisville Cardinals. How about Louisville? How about Kenny Payne picking up their first victory of the season and to the point I just made, the first win of the Kenny Payne era in Louisville. And so the bottom line is Louisville's one and nine. I'm not going to try to rewrite history, pretend there's something that they're not. Um, And I think there are plenty of big picture concerns about the state of things, most specifically something that I've talked about a lot over the last couple weeks, which is um, how does a coach who is known for his recruiting prowess, Kenny Payne, they just did not get the kinds of guys that they needed in the transfer portal to be successful. But instead of focusing on the negative, let's instead focus on the positive where Louisville does pick up their first win. I'll say this. I know I wrote a book about Kentucky. I know I work for KSR. I know I have a background with the UK Wildcats. I'm happy for Kenny Payne in Louisville. Maybe the diest of diehard Kentucky fans wants to see Louisville winless. But I think most people, you don't want to see the, 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 the program struggle to the degree that it has. Uh, but they get the win. And I think a couple things stand out. One. As I just said a second ago, and as I've said the few times that I have talked about Louisville, there's just not enough talent in the program right now. And I said this after they lost to Bellarmine early in the season. I said they really only have one guy that I think can get like 25 points in a game against a good ACC team. That guy is L. Ellis. Uh, And it's worth noting, L. Ellis went for 30 points and 10 assists in this game, and he was really the difference in this game. He is by far Louisville's best player, averaging 17 points per game, 33% three-point shooting. Nobody else on Louisville's entire roster is averaging more than 8.5 points per game. So you talk about problems. You got one guy averaging 17, nobody else averaging more than 8.5. That is not good. But Louisville gets the win, and let me just say in general before we get to some other news and notes, I'm not nearly as worried about Louisville as everybody else. Like, like I've heard a lot of Kenny Payne isn't the answer. you got to fire Kenny Payne, this, that, the other thing. They're going to go winless. And what I would say is, listen, like I just said a second ago, you got to bring in better players in the portal, and I think he's going to be defined a lot by this coming off season if he can bring in difference makers. But in 2022-2023, I'm still... I'm not really worried about the big picture of Louisville and let's revisit it in a month, six weeks, two months, whatever, but I'm just not that worried. And it's interesting. I I actually got into a little bit of a Twitter spat with one of our listeners, Travis, Uh, Travis, if you are listening, I don't know if you still listen or not, but Travis is infamous on this show because his wife is Rachel of Rachel who hates my voice. And so Travis is a Kentucky fan and Travis has said, Louisville is not winning more than two or three games over the course of the season. I said, I don't know that I believe that because here's the thing about Louisville, not talented, said it seven times already, but a couple of things stand out. I do think they play hard for Kenny Payne. I watched the Arkansas game to start the Maui Invitational. They lose by a bunch of points, but that was really a competitive game, probably until the middle of the second half 
when Arkansas just had better players and Arkansas eventually wore them down. Um, you know, there's been a couple other games throughout the season where they're tied with Cincinnati in the Maui Invitational and they wear down. Other games where they have a chance to win. I'm not excusing 0-9. What I am saying is they weren't as bad as that 0-9 record would indicate. And now getting their first win, listen, I think this is where it starts to turn a little bit. They get the win. The next two games, Florida, uh, Florida A&M and Lipscomb, you'd hope they'd win those two. They're not going to win the next two, which are at NC State and at Kentucky on New Year's Eve. But after that, listen, the ACC is really bad. And so you get the two win, you get the one win on Wednesday night against Western Kentucky. If you beat Florida AM, you beat Lipscomb, all of a sudden you're three and nine. Not beating NC State, not beating Kentucky on the road. So you're three and eleven. But can I see the scenario where they they win six, seven, even eight games in the ACC? I actually can, because the ACC is really bad. And I don't think people appreciate just how bad the ACC is this year. You look at, say, a Boston College, which is sitting at 6-6 six and six right now, lost to Maine earlier this year, lost to New Hampshire earlier this year, just barely beat Stonehill the other day. You look at a Georgia Tech, which really has not beaten anyone of substance so far this year, struggled to survive against Georgia Tech, struggle, or Georgia uh, State, excuse me, struggled to survive against a bad Georgia team. You look at Syracuse, who lost to Colgate earlier this year, who lost to Bryant earlier this year. There are a lot of really bad teams in the ACC, and so I'm not defending Kenny Payne. I do think, again, this offseason is where he's going to be defined you got to bring in talent. You got to bring in a, a talent in a hurry. In the portal era, there is no excuse. But listen, I think a week from now, they're three and nine. Can I see them getting to eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 wins the rest of the season? I can. And then you start building for 2023, 2024. A couple other notes from this week in college hoops. You know, one, we got a great game in the Memphis-Alabama game. And we're going to talk about Alabama in a minute because they play Gonzaga. But first of all, let me take a moment and give credit to Nate Oates, okay? So I really like Nate Oates. I think he's just really sharp, really smart guy. But what I give him credit for is this, okay? So last year, he signs the number three recruiting class in college basketball. And I think it would be easy, knowing you have a bunch of freshmen in the lineup that are going to have to play big minutes. The other guys coming in are probably transfers and younger guys and guys that haven't been there. Mark Sears, Namari Burnett, who unfortunately got hurt again and is out for an extended period of time. But it'd be easy with all that freshman talent on the roster to say, you know what? We're going to kind of ease into the schedule. Instead, here's who Alabama has played so far this year. They've played Michigan State, pretty good team. They played UConn in the PK-85. Now, nobody knew UConn was going to be this, but UConn's a great program. They are probably, I believe, the best team in college basketball. They played North Carolina. This is Alabama. Those three games in the PK-85. Then they come home. They play at Houston last weekend. They play Memphis at home this week, and they play Gonzaga this weekend in Birmingham. So you think about the PK-85 event, three big games, at Houston, Memphis at home, Gonzaga on a neutral, and that's before you get to SEC play. So before anything, credit to Nate Oates. Now, in terms of the Memphis-Alabama game, I really I, I thought it was a net positive for both teams. Alabama, you're coming home off an emotional win against Houston on the road. You lose a marquee player in Namari Burnett to a wrist injury. He's going to be about out at about six to eight weeks, and you still find a way to beat a good Memphis team, even if it is at home. 
Young team beating the number one team in the country. It would have been easy to have a letdown. Alabama absolutely did not do that. At the same time, though, I also want to give credit to Memphis for this one because this was a game where on the road, there were moments where Memphis could have let this game get away from them. And I came away so impressed because every single time that Alabama looked like they were going to break it open, Memphis made a play. Memphis made a defensive stop. Memphis made a run. They lose 91 to 88 in a game where their best player, probably their second best player, DeAndre Williams, falls out. Their best player, Kendrick Davis, gets hurt probably with about three, four minutes left. Malcolm Dandridge, their starting center, gets hurt and misses this most of the second half. This is just a tough, tough, tough team. And it's almost the opposite of what we've seen from Penny Hardaway's teams in early on in his tenure. I've been critical of Penny, and we'll talk about it a little bit in Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. I've been critical of Penny because I think he's focused too much on recruiting, too much on young guys, and then he gets all these young, young, young guys in, and it takes a while to mesh. Look last year with Amani Bates. Look a few years ago in the James Wiseman year where he's out of the lineup, but you lose some games early, all that good stuff. And so why I give Penny Hardaway credit, this year, he went in and did the exact opposite. He said, you know, I have a couple veteran returnees coming back. DeAndre Williams, Malcolm Dandridge, Alex Lomax. I'm going to hit the portal and I'm going to bring in old experienced guys to compliment them. And that's exactly what Memphis has done this season. I don't know if anyone's actually run the stats to back this up, but I think Memphis probably has the oldest starting lineup in college basketball. DeAndre Williams, the oldest player in college basketball at 26 years old. Yes, that's a real stat. Kendrick Davis, their starting point guard, a fifth-year senior. Alex Lomax, starting guard, a fifth-year senior. Malcolm Dandridge, fourth-year player in college basketball. And they just look like a tough veteran team where nothing phases them. And when I look at this season, first of all, they've been impressive so far. They have already knocked off three teams from the SEC, one at Vanderbilt on opening night, beat Ole Miss, took care of Auburn last weekend. They smacked Auburn on Saturday. And their three losses, they lose at the buzzer to Seton Hall. They lose to Alabama by three on the road. They lose to a good St. Louis team on the road as well. This is a really good team. This is a team I don't think Penny Hardaway and Memphis are going to have to stress, barring something catastrophic. This is not a team that is going to have to stress its way into the NCAA tournament. I think this is his best team, best built to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And they're really, really, really good. Finally, I want to wrap this segment with a couple teams, one positive, one negative. The positive, UCLA going to Maryland and smacking Maryland on uh, on Wednesday night. The final score in that one, UCLA taking care of business against their future Big Ten rivals. We'll talk about that in Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. They went 87-60. to 60. What stood out to me about UCLA, I just really like their starting five. And what I mean by that is I think they not only have good players, They have pieces that really kind of complement each other nicely. Veteran point guard in Tiger Campbell. Young dynamic guard in Amari Burnett. Wing player in Jalen Clark, who Mick Cronin has said many times, the best defensive player in college basketball. This guy is a stat sheet stuffer. 19.6 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals in the game against Maryland. And then the big guys, Jaquez and Adembona down low. For Maryland, it just... You're just not there yet. You know, you're just not there yet. Year one under Kevin Willard. They've now lost three straight, lost to Tennessee over the weekend. I think they're a tournament team. I'm not overly worried. On the negative side of this week, though, it was a game that I was at, and I do want to address it. Arizona State played Creighton on Monday night. 
first of all, credit Arizona State. So Bobby Hurley is kind of a lightning rod coach. He's obviously the brother of UConn's coach, Dan Hurley. And this is a guy that's taken a lot of heat through the years. This year, I can tell you, being at that game, he is a tough guy to play for, but he has guys on that team that clearly like playing for him. He's got Frankie Collins, a transfer from Michigan, averaging 11 points, five assists. He's got two two brothers. Desmond Cambridge, who came from Nevada, played for Steve Alford the last few years. And also on top of that, Devin Cambridge, who came from, from Auburn. And so this is a team that likes each other. They play well together. They are currently 10-1. and one. They actually have, outside of Arizona, the best record in the Pac-12. Really good team at ASU. As for Creighton, not so much. And, and I've actually gotten a few questions about Creighton. They're in the Big East. A lot of UConn fans ask me, what do I make of them so far? Listen, I'm going to do the thing where I defend them a little bit. Because Creighton, they were a preseason top 10 team. I kept telling everybody I like them, don't believe the analytics. Well, Creighton has now lost five straight, but I think it's hard to gauge what who they've lost to and how it's gone down. They lose to Arizona in Maui, might be the best team in the country. They come home, they play at Texas, lose at Texas. And then their starting center, Ryan Kalkbrenner, goes out with a non, they're calling it a non-COVID illness and has missed the last three games. And so, yes, you don't want to lose to the teams that they've lost to over the last three games, but Arizona State's good. In the five-game losing streak that Creighton's in the middle of, they've lost to three teams that are going to make the NCAA tournament, maybe the number one team in the country, Arizona. Texas was really good pre-Chris Beard this week, and Arizona State's an NCAA tournament team. But more importantly, with the team itself, when you don't have your starting center, when you don't have the guy that everything runs through, it's hard to justify. Like, like if Kentucky lost Oscar Sheepway, if Michigan lost Hunter Dickinson, if um, whoever, you know, Gonzaga lost Drew Timmy, it looks like a completely different team, and that's the problem with Creighton. I was actually, again, at the game. I asked Greg McDermott about it. I said, is there one thing that concerns you? He said, like, like he didn't want to say it. He didn't want to make excuses. But he said, look, everything, every game plan we put together, it focuses on Ryan Kalkbrenner down low and Ryan Kalkbrenner on the defensive end. He might be the best defensive center in college basketball. And so not to, to not have him, I'm not that worried. Uh, it doesn't seem as though Creighton's worried. Kalkbrenner is their leading scorer, second leading rebounder, almost two blocks per game. They don't have him. The reports are that he probably will not be ready for their Friday game. That is tonight against Marquette. But the hope is that early next week when they play Butler, he will be available. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Finally, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a couple games this weekend. 
that are going on. And I'll tell you, this is a loaded slate and it is a fun slate of college basketball. I'm actually going to start with one of the later games on the day, 515 Eastern time, the CBS Sports Classic UCLA versus Kentucky. The game is at Madison Square Garden. We know that Kentucky fans travel well to New York. A couple things stand out. One, I think this will be an interesting test for UCLA from this perspective. As I just said, we know they're going to the, the Big Ten in a few weeks, okay? A few years, excuse me. So remember, they played at Maryland on Wednesday. Now they play in New York on Saturday. Why do I bring it up? It's because they basically probably left L.A. early Tuesday, landed late Tuesday, played late Wednesday. Now they're going to be on the road again until Saturday. And why that's important, UCLA better both mentally and physically prepare themselves because when they go to the Big Ten, they're going to be doing this six times a year. The Big Ten plays 20 league games, which means that you're going to probably take five cross-country road trips, play two games at a time while you're there, and then you're going to go to the conference tournament, which is never going to be in L.A. It's never going to be in Vegas. It's always going to be in Chicago, Indianapolis, New York, whatever. And so if you are the Big Ten, if you are UCLA, this is a good preview of what is going to come when you get to the Big Ten, and you better be ready. Now, for Kentucky, I don't think anybody needs me to tell you. Kentucky, I I believe in them. But at some point, you got to pick up some marquee wins. You lose to Michigan State. You get smacked by Gonzaga. You do take care of Michigan. But right now, Kentucky's resume right now, they have one win over a Power 5 team. That's a decent 6-3 and three Michigan team. And the only other Power Conference team that they are going to play before league play starts is Louisville, which is one of the worst Power 5, Power 6 teams in college basketball. So if you're Kentucky, and you have dreams of getting that one seed, getting that two seed, getting an advantageous road in the NCAA tournament, like this is kind of a game that you have to win, right? This is a game if you want to continue to put yourself in position to get a number one seed, get a number two seed, get a path where keep in mind, as far as the second round of the NCAA tournament is concerned, there is a South Regional in Louisville, Kentucky. This is something that's interesting to monitor, okay? East Regional this year is in New York. Why that's important. UConn's in position to get that number one seed. That would be huge for UConn. South Regional is in Louisville. Kentucky, you better start winning games and winning games in a hurry. Purdue would also be in a great position there. The West Regional, remember, is in Vegas, which would be great for Arizona. So if you're Kentucky, if you want that advantageous path to the Final Four, you got to start winning games and you got to start winning games like this. That will be a fascinating game. Let's bounce around early in the day. How about my boy, Mike Effin Woodson, Indiana, going to Kansas, okay? So give credit where credit is due. Two great programs, scheduling a game, true home and home. Um, And it's just going to be great. This year, it's in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Next year, it's going to be in Assembly Hall. I think to me, the question that comes up for this game What is the status of Indiana freshman Jalen hood Shafino? Now, he did practice on Thursday, but keep in mind, he has missed the last three games with a back injury, and this guy is just very important to what Indiana does. Now, Trace Jackson Davis is the best player. Uh, Xavier Johnson, I think, needs to be a little bit better than he was the other day against Arizona. But when you look at this Indiana team, a lot of their wing scoring and their wing production comes from Jalen Hood-Shafino, who's averaging nine points, five rebounds, and four assists per game. 
It's important to get him back. If they don't, I do think Indiana struggles to win. He has been practicing. I wonder if he's limited for Indiana. I think the other key thing coming off of that Arizona loss the other night, listen, Arizona might be one, two, three in the country. So I'm not terribly worried about Indiana losing to Arizona, but at the same time, there was something that did stand out in that game as Indiana a little bit sloppy with the ball. Xavier Johnson, who's really boomer bust. I think he's a really talented player but did struggle shooting from the field, 3 of 13 with a couple turnovers. Indiana needs to make sure to take care of the ball against a good Kansas team on the road. I think everybody knows about Kansas after they took care of Missouri the other day. Uh, let's stay with, I just mentioned Indiana playing Arizona. Well, Arizona, they are playing at home on Saturday night against Tennessee. And so what stands out about this game, I think it's pretty obvious. Well, first of all, just a great matchup. Um and you look at this matchup, you know, two great programs. Tennessee is obviously on the way up. What is most interesting about this, this is called styles make fights. This is called strength on strength. Arizona currently the number one scoring team in all of college basketball, averaging 92 points per game. You know who the number three scoring defense is in college basketball? It's the Tennessee Vols, Tennessee holding teams to 51 points per game. And Tennessee, if you remember, we talked about them just very briefly on Monday's show. But Tennessee, they played at Barclays Center, <coughs> excuse me, against Maryland the other day. They hold Maryland to, they hold Maryland to just uh, 33, or excuse me, 33% from the field, 8% from three. So this is going to be a fascinating Styles Make Fights. Tucson, great place to watch a game. So excited to watch this one. A couple other ones, Houston versus Virginia. I think we'll have a lot to talk about in this one. Uh, Houston, both teams just elite defensively. Houston is actually holding opponents to the lowest scoring per game. 49 points per game is what Houston is holding its, its uh, opponents to. However, in terms of field goal percentage defense, which is obviously the 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 you know the percentage that you give up as a team, in terms of that is concerned, Houston is number one. Virginia, as always, is very good as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how that one shakes out. That game is in Charlottesville. Really curious how that one shakes out. Uh, the other one of note: North Carolina playing Ohio State, and also a big one. Two teams we've talked about a lot early in this season. Gonzaga going to Alabama. The game is technically a neutral site game in Birmingham. But what stands out to me, I've argued all year long, I don't like the Gonzaga guards. Can they handle the pressure from a very good Alabama defense? I think we got to give Nate Oates a ton of credit. Alabama right now number 15 in the country in field goal percentage defense for a team that plays that many young guys. That is really, really, really impressive. All right, I think that's it for the College Hoops Rewind and Recap. Uh, this is going to be a fun time, man. We're really going to ramp up the College Hoops coverage and cannot wait to continue to keep talking about it. Uh, it is fun. It is fun. It is a fun time of year, all that good stuff. But this is what I want to do, though. I do want to wrap this segment. I do want to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to wrap the show as we do every Friday. Aaron right, Aaron wrong. A lot of good stuff. Take a quick break. Be right back. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Final segment of the week. So good to be back. And I do want to wrap. 
with what has quickly become America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. By now, you know the drill. This segment, yes, I did steal it from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does every single week where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. Don't want anybody thinking, oh, Taurus took that from Cowherd. Heck yeah, I did. It's a great segment. Why we do the segment is pretty straightforward as well. Bottom line is over the course of a week, a month, a year, six months, two years, five years, 10 years, whatever. I put out a lot of sports thoughts, a lot of takes, a lot of opinions. That's what I do. And when I get stuff right, nobody likes telling you about it more than your boy Taurus. Taurus said this. Taurus said that. Taurus, 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 Taurus. I never shut up when I'm right. The problem is I get a lot of stuff wrong too. And that's why we do where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. It's a fun way to kind of wrap the week, kind of highlighting my best sports takes and opinions of the week, month, and year, but also letting you know that I get a lot of stuff wrong too. Where Aaron was right. So let's start with the topic that we led today's show with Arizona basketball. And listen, I've never, I'm not an Arizona fan. I'm not an Arizona alum, but I have said all along, if you follow all of these FBI cases, the facts in the Arizona case do not fit the narrative around Arizona, which was, it was this egregious, crazy cheating basketball program. And I said, look, bottom line is they did some bad stuff. They did some stuff that they need to be held responsible for, but this whole narrative based on a fake ESPN report, it never happened. And so we need to judge Arizona accordingly. And that is exactly what the IARP did earlier this week when they came down with the ruling, as we discussed to lead the show. At this point, there's nothing else I can say that I didn't say in that opening segment, but I'm happy for Arizona. I'm happy that their fans can move on. I'm happy that to a degree they were vindicated, although I understand with their frustration with much of the other media coverage surrounding their basketball program. Glad Arizona is in a good place. Glad they can move on. I've been dead right on that one from the beginning. Where Aaron was wrong. I will say this about Arizona basketball. When they fired Sean Miller, I said it was a grave mistake. What were they doing? You can't possibly get better than what Sean Miller was doing. And look, I think Sean's a great coach. I think he's going to do great things at Xavier. But I also got to admit, I was dead wrong on Tommy Lloyd. I thought Tommy Lloyd was just the hotshot assistant coach from Gonzaga. No, this guy might have been a hidden gem in terms of college basketball coaches. Comes to Arizona in year one, takes most of Sean Miller's players, turns them into a juggernaut. But this was the year where Tommy Lloyd was largely going to be defined by. He even said so in the preseason. I think it was the Athletic asked him, what is the biggest question surrounding this team? And he goes, frankly, it's me. Last year, I had a loaded roster. This year, it's a lot of my own guys, a lot of guys that I brought with me, some returnees like Kirk Creesa and Asulis Tubelis. But he said, this is all on me. Well, I think he's doing pretty well. Arizona in the top 10, beat Indiana last week, taking on Tennessee. The bottom line with Arizona, I think they are good enough to win a national championship. I think they are good enough to get to their first Final Four since 2021, uh, or, or excuse me, 2001. It would be 21 years, 22 years since they've been there. But I'm happy for Arizona fans for this reason. It feels like the weird situation where the Sean Miller firing worked out well for everybody. Sean Miller's at Xavier doing good things, and Arizona got themselves another great coach. I thought it was a mistake to fire Sean Miller. Now it turns out it worked out well for everybody. Where Aaron was right. So here's the deal. There's been this story out here for about four or five months now about UCLA, um, and would the state of California block them from going to the Big Ten? For people who haven't followed the story, essentially it's this. USC, the Pac-12, nobody can really stop USC. They're a private school. But UCLA is part of the UC school system, which includes Cal Berkeley, another member of the Pac-12, 
And basically, Cal Berkeley was saying, you can't leave us behind. We're going to go broke. And all along, I've basically not really covered the story because I said, there's no way that they're going to stop UCLA from going to the Big Ten. And that's exactly what we found out on Wednesday when it became official. UCLA will be allowed to leave now in a weird twist. Uh, they are going to have to apparently pay Cal some money. Now, I've seen differing reports on whether it's a one-time lump sum or whether it's an annual fee. But the bottom line was the state of California was never going to, nor do I believe they could have stopped UCLA from going. This wasn't really a story that I really dove deep on because I just didn't think there was much meat there. UCLA is going to the Big Ten. 2024, we're going to get that big, Big Ten game that we've all been waiting for, UCLA Rutgers in Piscataway where Aaron was wrong. All right, so let's go back to college hoops. And let me say this. I was wrong on Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers. Penny Hardaway is a guy I've talked about a lot on this show. Um, and through the years, I think he's really done a great job of recruiting. And I, I've always thought he was a good coach, but I thought he took too many players, too many young guys, bringing in guys at the last minute, transfers here, reclassification guys there. And he's always kind of created his own problems. And so where I'm wrong is this year he kind of did the exact opposite that he's always done going forward. He basically, rather than taking all the high school stars, rather than taking young guys, he's got one of the oldest rosters in college basketball. And I think he's maybe got one of the most underrated teams in college basketball. As as I said earlier in the show, they smacked Auburn earlier this week, or last Saturday, I really should say, in Atlanta. And they went down to Alabama, Coleman Coliseum, hostile environment, and gave Alabama everything they could handle, even when one of their best players, DeAndre Williams, followed out. There were injuries, whatever. And so I bring it up because I think Memphis is one of the 25 best teams in college basketball. I think Penny Hardaway is doing a heck of a job with this team. Listen, if I'm going to criticize him after every loss, every this, every that, I got to own it when he is having a when he's on a hot streak. He is coaching well. I think this is maybe his best team, and this is the team with the best chance to make a deep tournament run where Aaron was right. And we're jumping all over the place today, but where I want to go is the college football transfer portal. And frankly, a, a topic that I think I've been right on while most of the national media has been wrong. So in the portal this offseason, one of the big narratives throughout the season was, you know, Texas A&M, according to Nick Saban, quote unquote, bought the entire recruiting class and they came to A&M to get a check. And the second, that the season was over, they were all going to bounce, all hit the portal, and all go to where they really wanted to go to school. I've said from the beginning, I don't buy the narrative that it was all NIL-based, and I've said it a million times. I think there's a lot of realistic reasons as to why Texas A&M put together the class that they did. Most of the best players were from Texas. They were coming off a 9-1 season when most of those kids committed. You can go on and on and on down the list. So why do I bring it up? It's because the, while the portal is open and while AM has lost a few players in that class of 2022, most of the players that AM has lost have been the bottom of the, 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 the depth chart guys and some of the kids that already were ultimately suspended, um, you know, throughout the season that, that weren't going to be welcomed back to the program. Anyway, you know who, as of right now, has not hit the portal for Texas AM? Most of those elite five star players who committed last year. Evan Stewart, the wide receiver, it appears will stay at AM. Shamar Stewart, the defensive lineman. Walter Nolan, the defensive lineman. Connor Wegman, the quarterback. And so I've said all along, don't believe everything you hear on AM. Don't believe that most of these players just came because of NIL and they're going to bounce the first chance they get. Yes, AM has lost players to the portal like everybody else, but the bottom line remains 
I think this program is still in very good shape going forward. Now, look, there, there's a question as to whether Jimbo Fisher's the guy to elevate them, but the most talented players are still in the program. The guys they wanted to keep, they have kept. And I'll tell you this, it's going to be fascinating to follow this program in the offseason. That's as of right now where Aaron was wrong. Let's shoot over to the NFL really quick. I'm bouncing all over the place. It's a little bit of a slower time in sports, forgive me. But in the preseason, one of my big predictions, I thought the Cincinnati Bengals were going to miss the playoffs because I thought Joe Burrow, I thought the Bengals run was based largely on the defense. It was largely based on a few different things. I thought Joe Burrow might take a step back. I thought the Cincinnati Bengals might take a step back. Well, fast forward, I, yeah. I was wrong. Cincinnati Bengals in first place in the AFC North. Obviously, two weeks ago, they took care of business against the Kansas City Chiefs. And as you look at the Bengals, they have won five straight and seven of eight going into this weekend's game in Tampa Bay. I was just dead wrong on this team, and I am fascinated to see how they finish the season. As I told you, Betfred, Cincinnati Bengals presenting sponsor. As of now, the plan is for me to be at that Monday night game against Buffalo. Finally, let's wrap with two quick ones where Aaron was right about those UConn Huskies. Listen, the narrative is continuing to grow about UConn. I've said for years, Dan Hurley's the guy. I've said for years, this program is ascending. And now you talk to pretty much anybody who covers college basketball. I don't really hear anybody really making a strong argument that anyone other than UConn is the best team in college basketball right now. Now that can all change. That can change in a minute, right? You know, whatever. It can just change. We're entering Big East play. UConn opens on the road against Butler. They could lose this weekend for all I know. But the bottom line is I've told you for years this is the right guy. I told you for years this was the guy that was going to re-elevate UConn. That is exactly what he is doing. UConn obviously undefeated. 11 wins by double figures. And the bottom line is, as Dan Hurley said, we're coming. Well, UConn's here, and I'll be fascinated to see him going forward. Finally, where Aaron was wrong, and it sticks with UConn, but it's Big East basketball. I thought the Big East might be one of the two or three best conferences in college basketball. It has been a total dud so far this year. Villanova has struggled, although they're starting to play better since their star freshman Cam Whitmore came back. As we talked about, Creighton is on a four-game losing streak as I record, five-game losing streak as I record this. They play Marquette tonight at Marquette. Uh, Seton Hall's a little bit down. Uh, Xavier's okay, but they're not great. And so I just bring it up because I thought this conference was going to be great. Right now, UConn is the only team in the top 25. It's trending towards more of like a three to four bid league. I thought it might be like a six to seven bid league. I was dead wrong on the Big East. All right, I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Thank you again, by the way, our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sports Book. Remember, first day, January 1, 2023, Ohio legal sports betting. Click the link in the show description to try to get to the Betfred launch party in Ohio, January 1. I will be there. You don't want to miss it. With that said, time for me to get out of here. Time for me to go. Shout out to Torrent Craig. 
Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you FN. Unblock me, bro. I'll be back Monday. New episode, Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.